everybody. I got some things to say to you people around here. <laughs> this is Kennedy Quinn Tesdall, and today is her two-month birthday. So she said she wanted to meet everybody. Hi, everybody. <laughs> two months ago today, she made me a dad. And I have to say I'm pretty proud <laughs> to be a dad. And it's pretty easy to be a dad when your baby's so cute, right? Uh-huh. And she's already speaking in three languages. And she, you know. Anyway, well, I just wanted you to be able to meet her. Also, today happens to be Emily Berry's birthday. Uh, can we all just say she's somewhere in the building. She was the one who just sang that last song. She's a student in our youth ministry. Let's say happy birthday to her. There you are. Happy birthday. I'm going to pass you off to mommy. You already have my sermon memorized anyway, so that's okay. I'm going to take one more preacher privileges, um, one, of, one more of those, and I want to pray for Pastor Julie. She is going to be preaching at our denomination's General Assembly, something that I think only two women have ever done. So she's right here in the front pew. Can we just extend a hand out to her to pray God's blessing upon her preaching? Father, we thank you so much that this woman is so gifted and that you have a message on her heart. You've given her a burden from the word of God. And so we just pray that she would go in power as she meets with all the pastors and elders across this country in our denomination. Would you bless her? Would you uh, empower her? Would you fill her afresh with the Holy Spirit? And would you make every word effective, Lord? Because that's your promise, that your word would not come back void. Would you just get rid of any fear, fill her with courage, and we ask, Lord, your blessing on her now in the name of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and God's people said, amen. Well, it is so good to be here. I'll add my welcome to Julie's. It's great to be here on Father's Day. It takes on a new meeting when you're actually a dad. Um, I'm a little hot, by the way, just in my, my vocals. Um, but it's, it's really interesting being a dad only for two months and then being asked to preach. Because you go, well, what am I supposed to talk about? I only have two months of experience here, and already I'm, I've messed it up quite a bit, <laughs> I'm going to admit. Uh, it's a little daunting. But it is also a blessing. Because regardless of our parenting experience, my parenting experience, I believe that God always has something timeless to say from his word. Amen? And so we're going to lean in. We're going to hear what God has to say to us this Father's Day, regardless of if you are a father or not. The title of our message today is A Life Worth Imitating. Can we say that together? A Life Worth Imitating. We find ourselves today in 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. If you would please turn there in your Bibles. There are also pew Bibles in front of you. It should be page 954. That'll take you to our text in 1 Corinthians 4. Oh, I love the sound of Bibles being opened in the morning. That is awesome. While you're turning there, I want us to consider a question in view of the title of our message and what we're going to see in the text of our message today. Here's the question. Am I living a life worth imitating? Is the life that I lead, the pattern that I show, one that I would want others to copy and others to emulate? And I want all of the, us to, to consider this, regardless of our parenting background, because in one way or another, we are all called to influence the next generation for Jesus Christ. That's what we learned last week. Each and every one of us has that call to live a life worth imitating. So as we take an honest look at our lives, we try to be as objective as possible, looking in the mirror of God's word, 
am I living a life worth imitating? We're going to learn what a life worth imitating, a spiritual father worth following looks like in our text today. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, here's the key, let's say it all together, be imitators of me. Be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. This is the word of the Lord, and so we say, thanks be to God. In this short passage, we get a great insight into Paul as spiritual father. And as he's talking to his spiritual children, he shows us what a life worth imitating looks like. It involves three things. And we're going to look at them one at a time. Those three things include a father who loves his children, a father who is present to his children, and a father who disciples his children. But the main idea of all of these points is this, and I want us all to focus in on this, that the best gift a father can give to his child is a life worth imitating. Isn't that true? The best gift a father can give, more important than anything else that we could think of, is a life worth imitating. And that's where we pull from this crux of our passage, verse 16. I urge you then, be imitators of me. Follow my example. What a bold statement. What a bold statement that he could say, hey, if you want to know how you should live your life, just look at me and live it like me. <laughs> I could never say that. Could you? There's a disconnect there. How could Paul say that? Well, it's because he embodied three qualities. The first one was this. He loves his children. We could say that love is the measure of a life worth living, and that a father demonstrates both in word and deed a life of love. Dads, that is our special call. Not just on Father's Day, but every day, especially when it's tough. It is to, in the words of Fred Rogers, love our children into being. That is the call of a dad. And Paul exhibits what this looks like to love his spiritual children into being. We read in our first verse, I don't write these things to make you ashamed or to shame you, but to admonish you, that is to lovingly correct you, as my what? Beloved children. That's key. My beloved children. That's what he calls them. And we know that Paul had some harsh words for these Corinthian Christians. And just from my little research, these people deserved it. They deserved some harsh words. They deserved some correction. But even though Paul was tough in his words, it wasn't tough for the sake of being tough. It wasn't out of anger. It was out of love. He had tough love for the Corinthians. He wanted what was best for his kids. And sometimes that included disciplining them in love. We know that Paul lived out his fatherly love in two important ways that we too are called to follow. He showed his love. And he spoke his love. It was love both in word and deed. Show and speak. To see how willing Paul was to show his love for his kids, all we have to do is take our Bibles and look up one paragraph previous, where he gives us example after example of what it looks like for him to sacrifice for his kids out of love. And I'm just going to say it again. These people didn't deserve that kind of love. 
They didn't deserve Paul to give that sort of sacrifice because Paul's kids, like pretty much all of us when we're kids, are a little selfish. A little selfish. But even in view of their stubborn self-righteousness, Paul was willing to sacrifice his own comfort, his own well-being, his very life, if it came to it, out of love for his kids. That is what agape love means. We could define agape love as this. That is the biblical love. It is doing what's best for others, no matter the cost. Doing what's best for others, no matter the cost. It's giving in sacrifice out of love. And those of you who have been parents for more than two seconds, you know that you make quite a bit of sacrifices for your kids' well-being, don't you? Maybe you're sacrificing, I don't know, your peace of mind, <laughs> your meal time, two seconds to go to the bathroom without being interrupted. I, I mean, I'm not speaking from experience or anything, but these are a few things. These are a few of my favorite things right now. <laughs> but love means being willing to give all that up if it means doing what's best for your children, no matter the personal cost to you. And as Christians, we are called, as we follow Jesus, to go the extra mile in that sort of love. To rejoice even in our suffering. To rejoice in it. To embrace it. That's what's different than the world. To embrace that suffering if it means blessing to your kids. But it doesn't stop there. Paul showed his love, but this is key. He also spoke his love. Let me put it this way. Paul was not afraid to say, I love you to his kids. He was not afraid to do that. In fact, that's exactly what he says to the Corinthians. We've got to dig into the Greek a little bit to get it. But he calls them techna mu agapeta, children, my dearly loved ones. There's nobody more special to me than you. I love you. I care about you. Paul wasn't afraid to tell his kids just how much he loved them. And unfortunately, men, for some reason, sometimes we struggle with that. Many of our dads struggled with that. And I honestly think that we got to get over it. I don't think there's any way around it. I mean, let's wrestle with this biblically. The Apostle Paul said, I love you to his kids. And he said, follow me. Our Heavenly Father says, I love you to us, his kids. And he says, follow me. So you know what I think? I think it's time to stop believing that we're tougher than Paul and greater than God and start saying, I love you to our kids. That is the call of God. You may have not had a father like that. You may have not been a father like that. But by God's grace, you can become a father like that because you have a heavenly father like that who loves you in Jesus Christ. Leave it all. All those ugly habits that you had from your childhood of not having that care in your life, turn it around in Jesus' name because of what Jesus did for you. The good news is this. The power to become a more loving father to your kids comes from knowing that you have a father who already calls you his beloved child no matter what. Here's what Paul wrote elsewhere to the Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore be imitators of God. That raises the bar. How? Again, as beloved children. And then walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Do you see the connection between the first sentence and the second sentence? we got to draw those kinds of connections in biblical interpretation. Here's the, the so what. 
The power to become the parent that you long to be is by believing that you are the child that God has already received. The power to become a more loving parent, a more loving father, comes when you believe that you are a beloved child of God because of Jesus Christ. Jesus lived a life that we could never live. He was the perfect son that none of us could be. And he died the death that we would never die. He took on the punishment for our sin, for the disobedient kids we so often are. And because of that, because of Jesus, we have been brought into the family of God and are called every single day his beloved children. Friends, it's only when we know the lengths to which God went to show his love for us that we can show love for that, like that for our kids. It's only when we hear again and again from our Heavenly Father, I love you, I love you, I love you, that we're then able to speak the same thing over our kids. It starts and ends with Christ. The power to become a loving parent does not come through grit. It does not come through guilt. It comes through the gospel. Some of us have been trying the other methods and they're not quite working. If I just try hard enough, I can not be like my dad. If I can just try enough, I can change this. It ain't gonna happen. Oh my gosh, I wish I was a better dad. I'm not gonna talk about it, but I wish I was a better dad. None of that works. You gotta come back to the gospel. You gotta know who and whose you are in Jesus. That's the only way we can become fathers worth imitating, fathers who love our kids like Christ loved us to the glory of the Father. A father worth imitating loves his children. And secondly, we find in the next chunk of our text that he is present to his children. A Christian father who lives a life worth imitating recognizes his unique place in his kids' lives, and he takes that place by being present. Paul writes, verse 15, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The Corinthian church would know exactly what Paul was talking about here when he contrasts the role of fathers and guides. That word guides in the Greek, it means pedagogues or pedagogue. And these pedagogues, they had a special place in the life of the Corinthian kids and a lot of kids that grew up in that area in that time. The role of this person, they were oftentimes a household slave, was to walk those children to and from school and teach them how to behave. So they were kind of these guides in life up until the point that they were launched from their household. The Corinthian church, they would have known that these pedagogues, these guides, they had such a key part in their development, but they would also know that any person pales in comparison to a father. While they may have had tons of pedagogues in Christ, they could never replace Paul, in particular, as their spiritual father. And the same thing is true for us earthly dads, too. We have a special place in our children's lives that we ought to fill. And the best way we can take that place to play that part is to prioritize being present. Amen? That's the only way. Some of us have, have struggled with that. Some of us have done well at that. Either way, we have to look inward and say, am I prioritizing being present to my kids? And Paul did. He writes a few verses later beyond our text, verse 18. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills. We know from history that the Lord willed, and Paul did. Paul showed up for his spiritual kids. He prioritized that quality time 
to be present. Last Sunday after this service, uh, a couple came up to introduce themselves to us pastors. And uh, they wanted to just share with us how much you all, this church, and the ministry of this church had meant to them. And they also wanted to share that, unfortunately, this would be one of their last Sundays because they're going to have to move to another state. And as they shared with us about that, the husband told us with tears in his eyes, which, by the way, was a big deal. Because this man, uh, he served in the Air Force many, many years. He was directly involved in our country's response to the 9-11 attacks overseas. He was a tough dude. He wasn't Mr. Softy. <laughs> he was a tough guy. But it, it hit me that this guy shared with such emotion about the moment that he knew that his family needed to move. He'd been spending some time with his five-year-old daughter. And they were enjoying each other's company. And his daughter said out of the blue, Daddy, I just really love spending time with you. And he said, I love spending time with you too, sweetie. But little did he know what his daughter would say next. His daughter said, I love spending time with you. I just wish that you were around more. Five years old. When his little girl said that to him, he shared that his heart sunk because he knew exactly what she was talking about. His job was sapping every last ounce of time and energy out of him, and he knew in that moment, I got to make a change. I got to make a change if I'm going to be present. And so he and his wife started talking, and it led to a decision for them to make a big financial sacrifice and leave a lot of money on the table to leave a really great job in order to move cross-country to prioritize time with his daughter. And you know what? The Lord has blessed them every step of the way. Story after story. That's a father worth imitating. A father who prioritizes being present to his child. And, and I will qualify that, that story a little bit by saying that God doesn't call every father to do it in that way. I know that. And, and this man would know that too because he served our country's military. served our country. He knows what it means to have to be far away from people that he loves. But he also knew in that moment the call of God to be present to his child. And he knew that he had to make that a priority in his life and that that was the way. So how about you? Every father, every person of influence, let me add, every spiritual father is the same. They have the same calling to make their place in their kids' lives a priority, to, buy, to be present in every way possible. Even just in the first two months of Kennedy's life, I've had to take some stock of this in my own life. And so I sat down and did an exercise that I've done several times over the years. I wrote down every different aspect of my life to which God has called me. And then I went through, and I, there were things like my marriage, my walk with God. Now my relationship with my daughter was added on there. Uh, my work at the church, friends and family, so on and so forth. Write them all out. And I started to number them in order of importance. I bet you know where this is going. My life was out of sync the ideal priorities didn't match the real priorities. And it led me to ask, what do I got to change? How do I need to reprioritize my life so that I can be present to my daughter in the months and years to come? How about you? How can you review and reprioritize your life so that you can be present to your kids and to those to whom God has called you to influence? A father worth imitating loves his kids. A father worth imitating is present to his kids, and finally he disciples his kids. Picking up in verse 16. I urge you then, we know this part, be imitators of me. 
That is why I sent you, Timothy. Hold on to that. My beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere and in every church. There's a connection here. we got to draw these. Like I said, there's a connection between being an imitator of Paul, following his example, and Paul sending Timothy to the Corinthians. Those two things connect in some way. The way that they connect is with that, that is why, so that. In other words, Paul's means of discipling his kids was to send Timothy. I think this is similar to like a spiritual grandfather in a way. He was sending his child to go to more of his kids and to train them up in the ways of God. That was his purpose in sending Timothy, to disciple his spiritual children. Friends, this is the highest call of every parent. Higher than anything else is for you to disciple your kids. Parents, you're going to hear this over and over again at Chapel Hill because we really believe it. Parents are the primary faith builders in their children's lives. Parents are the primary faith builders in their children's lives. And fathers, I believe that it is high time for those of us who have checked out of that call to check back in. And it can be intimidating, I get it, but how hard is it to pick this book up and read it to your kids? How hard is it to just start with something simple like a gospel and say, I'm going to take this on, even if I feel inadequate, even if I feel like my my spouse is light years above me in spiritual development and I'm embarrassed by it, I'm going to get over that because I am called to father my children into Christians. That is the call of God, and I'm preaching this to myself. Start this right. Start this right. Check in. Stop leaving the faith building of our children to quote-unquote professionals and moms and step back in to the call of God. You're not hearing these things from me. I have to make this very clear. you got to separate the messenger from the message. I know I'm just starting this. I know I'm, I'm probably not going to preach this the same way 20 years, 30 years, 40 years down the road. I get that. But this is God's word. And that does not change. And so any tinge of conviction isn't because you're annoyed at the messenger. It's because the Spirit of God is convicting you. And we have to tune into that. Because once we tune into that, we can then cling to the gospel and become the parents that God has made and called us to be and stop wasting all our time. We have to be present. I've seen so many examples of especially older men in our congregation who have done this well, and I honor them. I honor them. Uh, In fact, several weeks ago, we got a call into the office, and this woman called in. She's a faithful woman in the church, and she said, my husband is dying. Can a pastor come and visit us and pray with us? I so happened to be the pastor on call that day, and so I drove over to Tacoma General. And as I walked in, after I, you know, figured out the maze that is Tacoma General, uh, it is hard to find your way in there, especially when you're about to, you know, your wife's going to have a baby. Anyway, getting ahead of myself. But as I walked into the Rainier building of TG, it hit me that in that moment, I had been in that very building two months prior. That is, this man man was about to breathe his last. Two months ago, a few floors up, my daughter breathed her first. That as this man finished his race, I was just getting started on mine. This man was nearing the very final moments of his life, and before I prayed, I do something that I always do 
I asked his wife, is there anything I should know as we come together to pray? It was then that she shared something that has stuck with me since then. She believed that her husband was still holding on because he had more to teach his kids about following Jesus. How powerful is that? So concerned was he for the discipleship of his kids that to his very last breath, he wanted to know that he had done everything he possibly could to instill Christ in them. That's what it looks like to prioritize discipleship. And you know what? The second that we prayed and I said, let me just remind you, friend, if you can hear me, God is sovereign. You've been faithful. You can go home. He was gone. His final moments on earth, his highest priority, to disciple his children. Fathers, that's who we want to imitate. Don't leave it to somebody else. Don't waste the time. You have so little of it. We are called to be the primary disciple makers of our children to our very last breath. And I will tell you right now, you have, you will, you always will fail to some degree. I'm already failing, and it's been two months. Hello, what's going on here? I couldn't even get it right in that amount of time. Speaking personally, I know my weaknesses. I know my failures. I know my depravity. It goes deep. We're reformed around here. We believe in total depravity. It goes down to the bone, that sin does. Back to Adam. There are so many qualities in myself that I don't want my daughter to imitate. And I know that there's going to come a time in her life that she's going to have to forgive me for so much. Just as many of us have had to forgive our parents for so much. And probably them, their parents. But I actually think that that's why that this last point is so crucial. And you got to hear me on this. Your primary role as parents is not to point children to you, but to point them to Christ in you. That's what it means to live a life worth imitating. That's what it means to cultivate that in them, is to say, if there's anything in me that is not of Christ, please forgive me and let it go. Parents, you can say you're sorry to your kids. Please forgive me and let it go. But my goodness, if there's anything that is in me, that is of Christ, hold on to that, because there is nothing better that I could possibly give you than Christ in you. That's discipleship. That's prioritizing it. It's not you trying to make mini-me's. Parenting can get very egoistic very quickly. It's to cultivate Christ in them. What if our emphasis was more on discipling than discipline? Paul does this later in his letter. He says in chapter 11, verse 1, Be imitators of me. How? As I am of Christ. We want to invite our children to imitate us insofar as we imitate Christ. Because there is no greater legacy that you could possibly pass on to your children. The outcome of your children's faith, whether they stay in the church, whether they come to Christ and really understand their salvation, whether they grow in all the ways that you want to, that is not on you. God is sovereign. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. What is on you is the responsibility to steward your call to influence the next generation for the sake of Christ. To be a disciple 
maker and to say with Paul, imitate me as I imitate Christ. In closing, I want us to dream. I want us to dream what it would be like if our church was filled with men who live lives worth imitating, who make that a higher priority than anything else in your life. If you're going to give your life up for something, give it up for Christ. This country needs men to step up to the plate. When you see everything going to hell in a handbasket and you whine about it, but you're not living for Christ and passing that on to the next generation, shut your mouth and go find somebody. Preaching to myself. Preaching to myself. Shut the TV off, open your ears, and love this next generation with your beacon. The great hymn of the faith, God of grace and God of glory, grant us wisdom, grant us courage, that we may not fail man nor thee, that we fail not man nor thee. The call of Christ is simple. Imitate him and live a life worth imitating and watch it change the world. Let's pray. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing even to the division of bone and marrow. And God, your word has cut us this morning. But it's double-edged in that it cuts in such a way that it causes us to have righteous guilt, but it cuts the other way. And it is such a sword that heals the soul. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the word of God applied. Thank you, Spirit of God, that you convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We pray that we would not walk out of this place without renewing our commitment to the call of God on each of our lives to be the spiritual parents that you've called each one of us to be, to love the next generation, to be present to the next generation, and to disciple the next generation. Would a revival start here and raising up in particular men who love their kids into being? Holy Spirit, would you fall now as we close in song, Lord, would you help us just to process all that you've spoken to us from your most holy word? Holy Ghost, would you fall in greater measure and would you cultivate in us the character of Christ that we may be able to say as we grow day by day, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We pray it in his great name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today at Chapel Hill Church. If you'd like to visit us in person, we're located at 7700 Scancy Avenue, Gig Harbor, Washington. Our worship services are Sundays at 9 and 10.30. We hope to see you there. To learn more about our upcoming events, visit us online at chapelhillpc.org.